The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. He just did what Neil Magny does. He wore him out, kept the same pace the whole fight. No one had it in the tank to push the third round to get the job done. Oh, it's nothing new. I can do this all day. Neil Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're at it. I didn't have a fucking shirt yet. All right, let's start. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Matt is shirtless. Yeah. We're a little technical issues, so we're getting started a couple minutes late. I'm sorry. Matt, that's okay, Matt. You're shirtless. It was all worth it. But you know why I'm shirtless? Yes. Are we bringing in? We have Neil Magny. Let's bring him right in because he's been, been, been waiting. I'm going to get a shirt. My kids are bringing me an espresso. I, Jimmy, the world knows. I, yes. I'm sorry, Neil. Oh, no, it's all good. Got time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm late and I'm sorry I'm shirtless. Uh, <laughs> Neil, first of all, before we get into me being shirtless, congratulations, man. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Neil, <laughs> let me tell you something. Everybody likes a comeback from behind fight. They like that. It's exciting. It's like it's out of a movie. Holy shit, man. Is that a nail bite? Your family and friends are probably looking at that clock with you raining down punches from Mal being like, oh, a nail biter. Yeah, man. like literally the, the, with the, the time I was left on the clock and the ref giving him every opportunity to survive, I'm sure everyone at home was doing like, dude, is he going to get it done? Like, He's kind of pretty close right now. <laughs> what do you What do you think? I mean, Neil, you, you had such a great third, and Malat looked really, really good. He had a solid first two rounds, but it's almost like you did you sense him getting tired because I felt that that his inability to do anything to try any escape to even to even feign throwing some punches back to survive for twelve seconds just showed that he was purely exhausted. Did you sense that uh, at any point in the round, or only at that moment? Um, I definitely felt in the second round that he was starting to slow down a lot. I mean, uh, uh, even with his leg kick attacks, I mean, in the first round, he came out very, very offensive from that leg kick. I was able to check most of them. Um, and then by the second round, his leg kick came out just that much slower where um, I was able to avoid leg kick altogether. Um, so I can definitely tell you slowing down a bit in the second round going to the third. Um, but at, at, at that point, I was just like, all right, you know what? I got five minutes to get it down. Let me go out there and find a way. 
do you because you're a guy who's known like you can do what you do for as long as you have to uh you're you're not someone anybody expects to get tired or to fade when, when it, are there certain fighters where you look at and you go all right i i just want to drag this guy into deep waters if i have to um because it, it's incredible how you just look the same in the third round with your energy as you did in the first yeah but the thing that makes it difficult now with these guys is like there's a uh... It, it's, it's so much easier to game plan for. So um, even for Mike Monat, for example, the guy had 12 fights. Um, most of those fights were ended in the first round, second round of his fights. So um, for, for, for when it came to game planning, I had 20 minutes of total footage to watch on uh, Mike Monat's fights and figure out, like, what kind of fighter he is, what his tendencies are, uh, what he named and had during the fight and that kind of thing. But me on the reverse side, um, I have nine hours of footage where these guys can break down the uh, uh, film on me and figure out what my tendencies are, how I'm going to fight what my attack's going to be and that kind of thing. Um, I think it makes it easier for them to um, game plan for me as opposed to me game plan for them. Um, and they do certain things to kind of shut down my offense. And I got to say, Mike was doing a great job doing that in those first two rounds. Like, he wasn't uh, he wasn't being as aggressive as he was in prior fights. He was staying just on the outside, um, scoring just enough to kind of uh, close by. When he got takedowns, he wasn't really trying to advance and look for a finish right away. He was more so just... Um, content with holding position, letting the, the clock ride out, uh, as opposed to chasing a finish. I've seen him do in past fights. So um, it definitely changes the um, dynamic where, like, I know I can push the car, I know I can push the pace, but when these guys are being so tactful in the fights, it definitely changes the, uh, um, the ball game by a lot. Hey, you know what I love? <laughs> this is what I love. Uh, I watched the fight again, all right, today. <laughs> and when I watched it again, I love knowing now I know the outcome. I love around two and a half minutes into the third round, they're talking about Mike Malat's next opponent. They're talking about they are writing Neil McNeil. How dare they, Jimmy? They know who the fuck this man is. But listen, they got a job to do. They sure. see the way the fight is going and playing out. Ooh, man. Did they, nobody, I'm telling you, who saw that coming? And then it, it, it makes it even better. It makes it that much more exciting. And there's another thing I noticed. When you were on bottom, and I was doing some of this today with my guys, uh, with guard retention, and you're using your legs as a barrier to create distance, manipulate the balance to keep you in the game, compared to just going for Ashi attacks and sweeps, leg lock attacks, leg sweeps. That, could, that, that I think that's big, where in, in a sense where when Mike was on bottom, he is very aggressive where he's looking to sweep you, looking to attack. So in, instead of self-defense and defending himself, creating distance, with these leg attacks, you're pulling somebody on top of you. Now, if he would have got that and got on top, great. But he didn't get it. So now not only is he tired, he's keeping his foot on the fucking gas looking for these sweeps. So by the time you counted him, dude, you saw after the fight done, I'm sure it was from the strikes as well, but he was... He he looked like the Neil Magny train just ran over his body. He looked <laughs> tired as could yeah. be. He looked you white. I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing is he never stay in the fight and stay active. Like even in the second round, like um, he knew watching film on that he was real aggressive with his submission attacks. I knew if I put my head out of position just long enough, he wouldn't hesitate to jump on the guillotine and things like that. Um, so even on, when I caught myself being on bottom, or whatever, it was more so like. Still find ways to be offensive. Still find ways to interrupt his um, offensive game where he couldn't just like freely attack submission and freely strike uh, at his own will, so to speak. Um, and, and even that in itself is it's tiring. Even that in itself makes a guy really have to 
work hard to figure out, man, I got this guy down finally, and I still can't find a way to pass my position in, in, uh, in the fight, so to speak. Um, so, like, all those things, I think, accumulated just kind of adds up to get the, uh, um, the total outcome that the fight was uh, at the end there. Did you, um, you know, because you, you made a good point. There are so many hours of footage on you, uh, and there's not as much footage to watch of him. But when you realize that he's only been out of the uh, into the third round once, he had a, a draw, and it's all first round finishes pr- predominantly, does that tell you anything about, hey, this guy might go for a submission? Instead of just, like Matt said, keeping position and, and winning the fight, for him, he may think, I have to get the submission because I've been getting submissions uh, and, and more likely to make a mistake or do something that's going to gas himself because he's chasing a submission when he doesn't need to. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I watched his film, I knew he had a really good uh, counter-strike. Um, he's not just got a counter-strike well in the sense that like, he'll go volume for volume. He counter-strikes to the point that he's able to actually land and heavy shots and get the guy down to the canvas, so to speak. Um, he never capitalized on his submission right away. So um, watching film on him, I was actually a bit hesitant to uh, kind of rush or close this too quickly because I didn't want to um, compromise my position, compromise um, myself at all, where he could capitalize on my mistakes, so to speak. So it kind of made me uh, a bit hesitant on trying to uh, be too aggressive early on into the fight. Um, but by the third round, it's like, all right, you're down two, you got to go now. Um, it was a little like just kind of throwing caution to the wind and like, making it more about me. It's like, this was like, all right, you're down two rounds to nothing, whether it's a submission loss, knockout loss, or a decision loss, it's a loss nonetheless. Uh, so you must go out there and try to do something more aggressive, try to do something more um, different to change the outcome of this fight. And I uh, kind of just threw caution to win and, and win it just that towards the end there. That's kind of freeing, isn't it? When you're like, all right, look, it's almost like F it. All right, I lost two rounds. Either I'm losing. If I, That's how, either I go for it now or whether it's a, by the judges or by submission or, or knockout, that's a very freeing feeling because you could just let shit fly. You know what I mean? For what sure. do you got to lose? Yeah, you, know? yeah, you literally go on your shield first thing. I mean, before I'm like, oh, cool. I'm doing a good job checking the leg. This, this is good. I'm doing a good job shutting down the submission game. This is cool. But at the end, it's like, all right, all those things are great, but you're still losing the fight. Like, what are you doing uh, to the fight at this point? Um, so, yeah, it was definitely cool to, like, watch the, the fight play out in its totality and see uh, the things I did well and that kind of thing. But, uh, so I think the job done. I mean, that was definitely nice on the cake for me. Do you think this is a case too of a of, of a fight IQ thing? Like, have you ever had a fight where you were pretty dominant for the first two rounds, and then you handled the third round the same way that Mike handled it with you, uh, as opposed to maybe just doing what you had to do to keep the win? Um, have you ever done that before, where um, you you went for a submission where you might not have needed to, um, where your fight IQ wasn't as high as it is now? Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, I think uh, this fight was a lot uh, so that they could, where the fight IQ actually played out pretty well. Like, um, uh, two specific fights I can remember. One was against uh, uh, Alex Garcia, where I had him hurt early in, uh, in round one of that fight. And then, like, knowing how aggressive a fighter he was and how explosive he was, I kind of just kind of coasted the next two rounds. I didn't, I didn't really, like, um, push for a finish. I didn't really push to, like, change the outcome of the fight. I just kind of, like, rode my bike, so to speak, uh, and coasted to victory in that fight. But it ended up being a split decision win, which in my mind during that time, I didn't think the fight was that close, but uh, two of the judges or a couple of judges thought it was that close. Um, and him himself actually thought he did more to win that fight as well. Um, so that fight, fight paid back my mind and let me know, like, all right, cool, don't be content with just coasting. There's an opportunity to or even finish the fight, go out there and get it done. Um, and the other part was the Hector Lombard fight, where um, in my Hector Lombard fight, I was able to reverse position, get him on uh, – on bottom, take his back and 
pretty much end up punching this guy like almost a hundred times before the ref stepped in uh, to stop the fight. So that's why to this fight, I'm in the same position. I'm down in the scorecards and um, I'm in position to actually chase the TKO where I could wait until the rest of put me off. I could hit as hard as I can and have two things happen. Either he eventually loses consciousness or the rest like, all right, that's enough. Let me go ahead and pull him off. Both of those two things are based off of uh, um, past fight experiences and uh, fight IQ that I have because of those two fights. What would I'll ask both of you guys this too? What do you think, Mike, in the position he was in, like you said, halfway through the third? What would have been the wiser thing for him to do um, to not wind up in that position that he wound up in? What do you think he could have done to maybe, even though you were clearly winning the round, what could he have done to you think uh, prevent himself from just being completely gassed like that and putting himself in such a vulnerable place, or allowing you to put him there? Um, in my opinion, if I was in his position where. I felt that I was up two rounds, and I was like, all right, third round, I'm tired. Uh, a guy just got a big takedown on me, did my guard. I would have done whatever I could to maintain that closed guard and keep his posture down, like kind of uh, controlling the back of my head, controlling an old hook maybe, uh, where I'm not able to posture up and really um, throw strikes to be fight ending. I strike those, throw some peppering shots and that kind of thing, but I would just kind of like kind of keep the posture down and uh, uh, keep my guard closed where he couldn't really advance to um, later shots to be fight ending or – um, allowed me to prove my position at all. Hey, let me ask you, what do you feel about when people are like, oh, they throw around the word gatekeeper? It almost sounds disrespectful, but I don't know, man. It's also like, look, if you want to hang here, you, you, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Do you find it as disrespectful when they call I you? I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but other parts, like, yeah, not really, no. Um, it's one of those things, like, sure, if there's someone who could be in the UFC's top 10 for the last... 10 years, show me another person who's been able to do that. Like, um, and it's not like I've just been there uh, staying in the top 10, fighting maybe once, maybe twice a year. I was fighting on average three to four times a year uh, uh. staying in the top 10 for the last 10 years. So if you find another person who's done that in the last 10 years, you would have said, like, all right, that dude's a gatekeeper. Well, cool, by all means, go ahead and do so. But as far as I'm concerned, like, um, I know what I want to accomplish in this sport. I still know I have some time to get those things accomplished. So um, it's more so motivating for me where it's like, if I'm getting written off as being a gatekeeper, I'm getting written off as being a guy that's like um, kind of says who's able to join the rankings, that kind of thing. It's up to me to go out there and change that narrative at this point. Like, I need to do something different to uh, change the narrative from being a gatekeeper and then uh, to being a contender. If not, I just been instead of being a gatekeeper, so to speak. Um, and in hindsight, five years from now, uh, I'm retired just long, long and done behind me or whatever. To say that I've spent as much time as I did in the top 10 of all the guys that I thought, fought, like, Cool, I'll be content with that. But like currently, where I'm at in my career, what I think I can get done in the next few years, uh, for me, is motivating more than anything. Yeah, the idea of being a gatekeeper, I think the term nobody likes, but but it is a statement about like, the, all right, this is a fighter who you're going to get a lot of fights with these younger guys, these these hot like uh, you know uh, uh, bigger name guys who are on their way up that a lot of other guys might not get because the, the vision is they have to get through a guy like you before they're ready. So even though you might not like the term, it is a sign of respect. Like this, if they can get past him, then they're actually much more legit. Oh, for sure. I mean, and it, it also finds value in the, in the company and the sport as well. I mean, um, I think being called a useless fighter in the company's roster <laughs> would be a, a far worse term than a gatekeeper. I mean, yeah. uh, whether it's a gatekeeper or whatever you want to call it, uh, like at least you fight, there's, value for you in the company in the sport so to speak uh being some useless ass dude on the roster i think that'd be a lot worse another thing nice about beating these young guys asses is they're gonna get better and when they get better and they start just dominating more people you always got that feather in your cap if you want to revisit it hey you want another shot 
Mike Malat, now that you got the belt, let's go. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying. The guy's on his way. He's stopping everybody until he runs into Neil Magny. And it's like, you got that feather in your cap now. You got that over. I mean, that does feel good. You have to get it done. I mean, especially when you start questioning yourself as well. Like, damn, do I still have it? Like, can I keep, can I keep these young up and coming guys? Like, maybe so. But like, drop in that shirt and you can Like, all right, cool. I still got it. Let's go. There's still some more uh, uh, fighting me. I mean, look, it's a, it, it's a different set of circumstances. But you look at O'Malley and Marlon Vera. I want to say Vera was, am I stupid to think that he was, uh, Sixth, I don't, I don't know what he was ranked, but he wasn't like you know the top two. But because there is that history with those guys, because he's that one loss, he gets a shot at the belt. So fighting these guys like this, two or three fights, they get a belt. You may be the one rematch interest that they have because you're the guy that beats them. So that there really is a lot of value in beating these guys too. Yeah, I mean, I've seen crazier things happen. I mean, Jorge Masvidal is a perfect example. I mean, the guy uh, fought on a week's notice, two weeks notice. Uh, against Usman, and not only did he lose that fight pretty decisively, he got a rematch <laughs> on top of that. Um, it was like he had to go out there and beat a top five guy, top two guy, whatever. It was just like, all right, cool. There's enough value in this fight where uh, I see a reason to go out here and make it, make it where he can fight for a title again. You watch guys like uh, Bobby Green. Up until his last fight, he kind of had a career resurrection, so to speak, where um, he was the guy that was like, oh, wow, I just beat a top 10 uh, young up-and-coming fighter who was, again, underpinned UFC. I just went out there and knocked him out, and now – um, you know, I'm sitting here playing this next uh, contender to see if I get a shot at Tyler, so to speak. So to see the guys like um, Jorge Masvidal and Bobby Green pull things off uh, later on in their career just definitely gives me hope to see uh, what I can do next couple years for myself. Yeah, he's got a nice fight with Jim Miller at 300 too, uh, which is a, which is a great fight that everybody wants to see. But you're right, with fighters with, with health and nutrition and all these things keeping guys fighting so much longer than they did years ago, you could absolutely have a, a, a years of fighting left and have a whole uh, second half, so to speak. For sure, yeah. I mean, Clubs to share another guy. I mean, right. one is titled at 42 years old. Most people never thought that was going to happen. And- he for sure got it. I hope I don't take me to 42, but yeah. uh, I know it's a possibility if I need to. Hey, hey Neil, what are you, what's your thoughts on the, uh, the, the whole cold plunge? Do you like that thing? Uh, I have one in my backyard. My three-year-old son has used it more times than I have. You don't um, use it. Def- <laughs> it definitely has its purpose. I mean, uh, um, like, I'm not a guy that likes to do, like, the full submersion where it's, like, your whole head and body's underwater kind of thing, but... Um, I definitely notice a difference in uh, information when I stick my lower body into it. So uh, if I sit into it waist deep, whatever, uh, I feel like my legs are like rejuvenated overnight, so to speak. I go to sit in that thing for uh, 10, 15 minutes nightly, and I feel like the next day I go right back to um, training, running, sprinting, and uh, I feel great doing it. 10 or 15 minutes? Jesus. I've heard like two minutes, three minutes. You're doing up to 10 minutes in that thing? Just legs. Yeah, but sorry, I'm not, yeah, I'm like fully submerged with like my whole body. Oh, just like, legs. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. I love sitting in there. Yeah, and, like, and, it, and it really helps. Like, I have a lot of uh, information over the years from just doing this the last 20 years, uh, almost, whatever. So, um, and sitting in the cold tub for that long definitely helps that information. I feel like it definitely, like, jump starts my body, so to speak. So, um, I'm not a fan of, like, the full submersion for two, three minutes, but uh, I definitely see it has a purpose where you can stick, like, your lower body in there or your arm in there to, like, elbow deep for information or, or fatigue or soreness or whatever. Um, I, I definitely see it has value. I'm going to look into that, Jimmy. Because yeah. I do steam every morning. I know George St. Pierre is like a barrel type one. I can fit that. I can fit that in my dressing room. He just mind. gets into it, right? Yeah, he jumps in the barrel. I'm thinking about doing that. My little style. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I, I like it. I think it's worth it. I mean, like I said, like, I, I can literally feel like come Monday, like my joints are pretty 
loose and mobile by Wednesday, Thursday. Like, man, I can barely uh, touch my hair, my butt. My, my knees are so uh, inflamed or whatever. Um, I jump in that thing, sitting for a little bit, and it, I'm good to go the next day. Had you ever tried cryotherapy? Was it, I'm wondering if it was the same uh, thing as cryo or is it better? Um, I mean, some of the results, the only hard thing we try is to get to go somewhere to get it done. Um, and for me, like, by the time I, like, pack up the car, pack up the kids, go do recovery, I'm like, eh, I'm good. I can just do it. Where, uh, where now I can, like, put the kids to bed, go out in the backyard, hop in the cold plunge, and I'm good to go. It just makes recovery that much more easier as opposed to, like, having to work it into my schedule where I have to, like, leave the house and all stuff to get done. And you're in... Um... Oh, you're cutting out just a little bit, Neil. Um, oh, there he is. There we so go. <laughs> so your, your cold plunge, uh, I mean, you're in Denver, so your cold plunge outside is a pretty horrendous experience. Uh, about eight months a year, that's a rough go. No, so I have one that's, uh, there's a company called Revive that does it. So the particular cold tub that I have, it goes from, uh, what was it, 36 degrees all the way up to 104 degrees. Um, so you set the temperature wherever you want it to be. And because the water is circulating, it keeps you from freezing. Uh, so if I have it set at 42 degrees, it'll stay 42 degrees uh, pretty much year-round. Uh, there's a chiller on there. There's a heater on there that kind of, like, uh, uh, filters the water and processes the water. Like, this literally 24-7. It continues to move the water so it never freezes. Oh, so you don't, you don't have to go out there with an axe like some guys do and chop up the water and get it with no, frozen yeah. cubes. <laughs> no, there's no hammers to the ice and that crazy stuff to get in Wait, there. What brand is it? Uh, revive, revive cold punch. Thank you. I don't know why I'm looking. I'm not going to get one, but I'm that sounds really interesting. So I'm going to look that up. <laughs> I like right. it. Yeah. I mean, too. I saw Corey Anderson using it every day and I was like, huh, I might look into this thing. And, uh, and he swore by it. He was like, yeah, dude, this thing is amazing. And he's using that thing two, three times a day, every single day. Oh, um, wow. I was like, all right, if it's working for him and may work for me kind of thing. I was like, I'll give it a shot. I, I'm, I'm going to look into it, man. Dane is yeah. trying to get me into it. I did a little bit over the weekend. 32 degrees is too cold. Yeah, and I like a nice 75, 80. Well, that, that defeats its own purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. just one of those things. I mean, if longevity's my career and feeling better means I got to send us some cold water and not worry about doing any kind of crazy surgeries or procedures, I'm like, cool. I'm going to send us some cold water and see what happens. Like, it's a very minimal thing to do to try to get a big result out of it. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think three minutes is pretty standard, right? For guys, when they go in up to the neck, the whole full body submersion, I think about three minutes is what guys will do with that. That's what I heard. Yeah. All right, Neil. Well, look, thank you for being patient with us today. And uh, really, congratulations. Such an awesome win. We were really, really happy for you. Uh, and I just, I love watching a veteran yes. uh, pull something out against somebody who just doesn't have the experience. I mean, Mike Bellot's a really good fighter. But just the fact that you've seen everything in the cage, uh, I, I just love seeing stuff like that. So congratulations, man. It was really, really an awesome win for you. And, and Neil, just so you know, he started the last episode, the first one since the, the, the fights. He goes, who am I doing this for? And he's clapping. I knew. I knew who he's doing it for. Yeah. He was doing it for you, and it was well-deserved applause. Yep. Neil, congrats, man. We're always rooting for you, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. All right, talk to you again. So thanks, Neil. All right, no problem. I'm doing it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. You know, Matt, it's funny. I'm looking at these renew uh, or revive, whatever they're called. I'm going to look them up. I, it's funny. I don't have enough room on my terrace, and I think my wife would just kick me in the balls if I got one, so I'm not going to. What uh, what's that? Read that. Uh, Weetam. It says Matthew. Oh, it's backwards. And it's a bunny on it. My grandmother made this. Oh, that's nice. When I was little, a little, a little. A little baby. Do you know what's funny? Yes. I did not even realize that you were Matthew. I it took me a second. I was like Matthew. I, I forget that Matt is. Your, oh, you've had that since you were a kid. All right, that's nice. Why would you still be very careful, Matt? You don't want to drop it. And it's from Marie seventy seven. So in nineteen seventy seven. Oh, my grandmother, uh, Marie. We used to call her Mama Mia. Mama Mia. Here we go again. My, my. But we didn't sing that guy. But we did call him Mamma Mia. But wouldn't you keep that, like, in some place where it won't get, uh, I, I have cups, like, just little ones from, like, Colin's show, and I, you don't want to, oh, when I laugh. <laughs> Why didn't you like the other day when I said, sometimes I become a chatty Maddie? And you went like this. <laughs> don't leave. Is it cringy when I say that? No, no, I, I think you should say it more, actually. You know, now you know how I feel like with your fucking chip, the fucking asshole. I haven't done oh, chip in a while. That's how I feel. Except that's not a character. I'm being me, and you're hurting my feelings. My wife hates chip a lot. It makes me so happy you know, how much she hates chip. You, this is what you should do with Nikki. Bring out chip in bed. I've done that before. I remember one year. I like it violent. As I had a bad set in a festival, and the girl I was dating blew Chip, which was very funny. Um, but she was the only time she ever did anything with Chip. No, no woman I've ever dated likes Chip, and it's I wanna, understandable. I, I want to. I want to. No, I don't. Well, yes, I, I, I wonder what it's like when Chip like orgasms, but it's probably disturbing. Yeah, fucking sexy. Oh. <laughs> and what happened to your friend Doug Bell? I, I I don't. I stopped doing all of them because I just get tired of it. I, I'm very. Right. I get very bored with things and I just stop doing them. Like, you and, and are, you're an artist. 
No, I just uh, short attention span and, and like what I'm doing now with my wife this this whole fucking uh, our, our YouTube thing. But I've wanted to do that for years. Like this is not something I'm just doing. Like I replaced Chip with it. I've been thinking about doing stuff like this with her since 2018. So uh, I'm glad we're doing it. I like that she's natural on the um on the on the camera. Yeah, I mean you've been around us. That's how we really are. Like, we're not putting it on. No, no, you know? we just bicker like old people, but it's a legit and she's my best friend after you. Um, <laughs> so it's fun. And by the way, tonight I'm going to be at the Fat Black Pussycat. If anybody wants to come see me live, I've been forgetting to plug it. It's been selling out every week. 7 p.m. here in the village. Yo, I taught, I taught this morning a little guard retention. You know, guys are trying to get past you. I told, I told you to do this the other day with, with uh, Jedi Mike J. Use your legs to keep them. You know, listen, people don't want people getting past those legs in class because, hey, sure. uh, my guard, that's three points. It's a better position. There's a lot more at stake in a real fight. Your legs, when you're on your back, is that and they're over you. That's your first line of defense. They got to get past those legs to do some damage to you. You know what I mean? Well, he was teaching me today side, how to get out of side control, bringing the legs in and using them as a barrier and either swooping the left leg around, pushing back and get, getting guard back or on how to, uh, how to pin the elbow and then how to lift them on my shins and, uh, and, and reverse them. That's sweep. And when you do do that, you go, so you, when you get to the guard and when you do, you look at him, you go swoop, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You can say or, that. or either that or I'll whisper oh. in his ear, my guard. <laughs> oh, don't do that, Jimmy. My yeah, guard. My guard. They go, yeah, yeah. What about it? Fucking yeah, weird. yeah. All right, let's. <laughs> How do you like my guard? Yeah, my guard. I just whisper so no one else can hear it right in his ear. I'm gonna kick you out of there. All right, uh, hey, Paul we- Smith. Let's bring in Paul Smith, comedian from Birmingham. Um, How is the my- comedy scene overseas? I've only done it once. I did London, I think, for two days. Manchester once. They were phenomenal. I, I really enjoyed it, and I want to get back. Um, it's been years since I've been there. I really want to start uh, doing more. I'm 55. What am I waiting for? Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes sir. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. How are you, Paul? Paul, you're a stand-up comedian. I am from how huge how huge is the stand-up comedy by you? And and because um, you know, let me how is it over there with the stand-up comedy? It's pretty big, it's pretty big. Um, I mean it's I, I I don't know, I don't know if we do the same numbers as over in the States, but I sell a few arenas out to do okay. Yeah, then you're doing well. If you sell a few arenas, that's really good. <laughs> I mean, one arena is good, a few arenas is fucking great. You're yeah, doing we do okay. You're doing, have you come to, I've only worked, I worked London once for a couple of days and once, once in Manchester. Have you come to the States to work? No, I've never been to the States to work. Um, I, 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 I wasn't sure if people would get my accent, to be honest, <laughs> but I, I recently I went to Orlando in December and I, I had a few Americans uh, approach me, recognize me from, from it, the internet. So uh, it might be something to look at next year. Why yeah. Do you think, you think, excuse me. You think the comedy night might not cross over the pond here? To us? No, I, not... well, I think I have quite an um, I have quite a strong accent. Oh, so I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, a lot, a lot of Americans are watching it now, but I think I always put subtitles on the clips. So I notice when Americans watch me in real life and the subtitles aren't there, um, they, get, they get a little bit confused. They might get a little lost, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, Paul. You know, I ask guys like, like Jimmy and some other comedians about when they're coming up, like who do they look up to, whether it's Richard Pryor or some of these old school comedians. Now, what about yeah. you? Was it just... Like, it's not just fucking Monty Python or some shit. What is it? Off with his um, oh, I love, when I was growing up, there's a really old school comedian from the UK called Dave Allen. He's Irish, actually. Um, and he used to, before anybody else I saw, do it, he did really, he wasn't doing jokes. He was really sitting and telling stories. He used to sit with a glass of whiskey. And he was really big. He used to have a Saturday night TV show and he'd sit and he'd tell stories. If yes. you ever get a chance... Google Dave Allen teaches a kid to tell the time. It's one of the best bits of stand-up I've ever seen in my life. Dave Just Allen, te teach a kid to tell the time. It's one of the finest bits of stand-up I've ever seen. Um, you know who I love? British Tommy Cooper. I go on Tommy, Tommy Cooper. Cooper. I go on his, his Tommy Cooper fucking deep dives, and I watch him like do funny speech. Like when, when Prince Philip, uh, you know, whenever he was getting an award or whatever, Tommy Cooper would be there, and he. Would, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what a what a pressure gig! Like you can't yeah. do anything dirty, you can't curse, you can't insult anybody. There's a lot, there was gig. a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Like there's a very famous comedian from Liverpool called Ken Dodd. Huge, huge icon over here. Never swore once. Used to do four-hour shows and not swear. Um, what was his name? I, I don't know how. Ken Dodd. Um, Ken Dodd. Yeah, I, I got asked to open an, um, a, a memorial theatre to him, but I, I, I declined because I don't think his wife would uh, appreciate my style of stand. <laughs> it's funny, too. They offered me many years ago uh, Luther Vandross. I had the same accountant at him. It was such a bizarre connection. <laughs> And he was doing Radio City Music Hall shows. So my accountant's like, hey, they're looking for an open. I'll recommend. I'm like, I'm the wrong guy. I'm dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't work family clean. And you don't want to, you know, ruin a night for all those people. No, that's the worst thing, isn't it? When you know you're going to die and you know, you know, not only are you going to die, but you're going to really upset a few people. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I'm as dirty as you, but... <laughs> No, I'm, but I, I'm definitely very salty. But it's like yeah. I almost I, – I would have been dishonest to take the gig uh, and pretend – like no, it would have been like a shitty thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, when did you realize you, you were a funny man? Were you were just a silly kid and then you found out – No, I, I don't – I mean, I, people get really disappointed with me because I don't think I'm particularly funny in real life. Um, I'm quite a quiet guy. I just – it's some, I tried it in my early 20s. So just, I think I was going through a whole like self-development thing. And I just, I thought if I do that once, it's like, it's like the bungee jumping of confidence, isn't it? Uh, so I thought I'll do it once. And I never intended it to be, but something, I have a weird, something happens to me when I get on stage. I get really, I, I'm more comfortable there than anywhere else, really. Much like, like, I've heard, I've spoken to a lot of fighters. I know a lot of fighters now. And I think a lot of fighters feel the same way when they get in the cage. So you're more comfortable there, even though it's the place most people would be terrified of being. You find yourself more comfortable there than just in your real life, dealing with normal problems. I'm most comfortable on stage when I'm doing what I want to do. But there are so many, like there's nights where I just, I, I suck or my energy is off and there's no place that I'm more uncomfortable than when that's happening, when I'm like, I know that it's me. <laughs> 
they're not a bad crowd. I'm just, I, yeah. you know, you, well, you just can't get them. I'm like, none of the things that I would normally do to get a crowd are working. And I'm like, I just yeah. suck right now. And they're all looking at me like I'm a fraud. It's really uncomfortable, but uh, you, plow, <laughs> you plow ahead and you make their life miserable. Yeah. It's kind of satisfying. <laughs> hey, you take uh, MMA. I, I know you love MMA. Um, do you go to I fights do. there? Have, have you been to any fights? Uh, yeah, I've been to a few. I, I go to Cage Warriors. I've been to uh, FCC, which is on UFC Fight Pass. Um, obviously, I've been to Octagon. Um, and I've been to a few of the UFC events here. Are you... Uh, sorry, your tour is called Pablo. Is that a Kanye reference at all? No, it's a Pablo Escobar reference. Oh, even better. <laughs> a, even a better Pablo. Uh, why Pablo Escobar? Is there a bit of, you do about it? How's it, it tie just, in? No, it just became, I, I did a fight last year for, I, I donated the money to charity. I had to pick a fight name, so I picked Pablo Escobar, which is kind of, it, there's a noise that um, a lot of British fighters go around British gyms. The noise people make when they throw punches has, has, has. So I call myself Pablo Escobar. Um, it was just a play on where. How did you do? <laughs> I lost TKO 76 seconds. <laughs> oh, all right. It was it was full pro rules MMA. It was good. It was a great experience, to be honest. It was a really, really good experience. And it was in an arena. It's a big show. Who'd um, you fight? Who'd you fight? I fought, I fought a guy called Jake Quickenden. Um, a lot younger than faster and bigger. He did really well, to be fair. He he caught me with he caught me with a good one two straight away, and I tried to grapple him. I focused on me grappling a lot. Uh, it's something I've really grown to love, to be honest. Um, and I tried to get hold of him, but it just wasn't my night. It wasn't my night. So yeah. Is he a uh, comedian? Who is he? No, he's a he's an actor, an actor, singer. All right. So, he's, an he extra, he's an ex-professional athlete. I don't know if I'd have known if I if I'd have looked at him before the fight. I don't think I'd have seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But had you ever been like? It, it's weird. Did it? Did uh, were you like a fighter growing up as a kid, or was no. that like rare for you to get punched like that? And and and, and... I, I don't think I've ever been punched like that. To be honest. How, how um, did it? Uh, what was it? Was it worse than you thought it would be? The same as you thought it would no. be? It's it's it was weird because it doesn't hurt. You, you would imagine it would, but it, it the best way I can describe it, I'm trying to be describe it to people, is it's like being in it hit in the face with a space hopper. It's like kind of that impact, but you don't really feel it's not sharp like knuckles, especially those little gloves. Yeah. So he, he caught me with a one two and it kind of just it it made it the whole world went away and I was like, okay, just stay composed. And I landed a few good leg kicks. But I just remember thinking he was so long and rangy. I was like, I don't know. I was like, he's so far away. I mean, I mean, coach was. I remember my coach screaming, "Just throw your right hand, throw your right hand." And in my head, I was like, he, I can't. He, he's he's on the other side of the cage. I can't. It's him. I can't. It's him. Tell yeah. me, tell me about it, Paul. I'm five six. I was. Yeah. Up to, well, I didn't I want to say. I was, I was about was to say, "Matt, no, this problem." <laughs> oh, I had that problem. That's when you got to come in with a double, triple jab. Come in behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overhand going. But, Paul, does it make you look at the fights a little differently or respect it a little bit more when there's... Absolutely. Do you know what? I They asked me to do another fight, and I don't think... I think... I mean, I'm 41, and it's probably not the best stage to get punched in the face again, but I would fight again. The the, the most difficult thing, a year of training... I trained for a year, the mo- and, and the weight cut, man. Like, I cut from 94 kilo to... Set- to 77 which is about i don't even know what it is in pounds but it's about what 205 210 to, to, to 170 i think um and it was unbelievably difficult to do especially that last week where you're water loading and you're using the sauna blanket yeah. you're in the bath 
your eyeballs are sticking to your face. I've never been. <laughs> I was sat in the sauna and I was licking the sweat off my own lips and it was the most delicious thing I'd tasted in a long time because it was just wow. a little bit of salt because I had no salt. Or when you're, when you're you're sucking that weight and then you go into like a cold, even though you can't have water yet, you go into a cold shower, like cold. Yeah. I got like- an ice bath and it was like heaven. Yeah. yeah. And it, you go past wanting food. I didn't even want food at the end of it. When I got to the way and I just wanted water. I've never felt anything like it in my life. It was it was unbelievable. And I've got so much respect for all the fighters who do that. And especially those fighters. Some fighters turn up haven't done that. And then the fight gets called off and they have to then go and do it again. And it's yeah. like it's mad. Like the dedication these guys have got is is insane. And then to do all the training as well on top of that. But like the, 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 I, I just love being around it. I love being I love being in the gyms. The um the energy those places have. Like I train at, at Tom Blackledge's gym. He's like a real pioneer of U, U, UK MMA, fought in the UFC early on. Um, and he's just a great guy. Everyone, it's just the, the loveliest places to go. Yeah, Everyone's it's interesting. Just- oh, sorry, but I, I, I train minimally. And the thing that was, uh, I, my cardio has always sucked for anything I've ever done. But when they mm. always talked about how takedowns are the most exhausting thing, oh, you don't absolutely. know it until you try it. And then yeah. I'm like, I'm just attempting whether I got it or not. I'm like, this is fucking exhausting. <laughs> Taking somebody down once. Yeah. I mean, I'm 55, yeah. so I'm old. But watching guys do that over and over, fail takedowns, you always hear Cormier saying, those are the most tiring things. But I finally got it when I tried doing it. They're horrible. Yeah. That or I really wanted to do a short, like a, a funny video where like being an armchair fan where someone's just saying, just stand up, just stand up. And you've got like Tom Aspinall or someone just pinning you down. Just, just so I wish up. someone could feel how difficult that was. Not even Tom Aspinall, someone small. Like I I, I, I did some sessions, like I trained with Molly McCann and I, <laughs> I'll be honest, I was heavier than, I was a lot heavier than I am now. And we did a sparring session just that she was going light. And I looked at her, and I, I, don't, I honestly remember thinking, well, I know she's a fighter, but she's a tiny woman as well, go a bit easy. And as soon as we started sparring, I was like, I am in trouble. Yeah. I am in so much trouble. And she just battered me for three rounds. Yeah. Just at the power she, the power these fighters have got, the power to weight ratio as well. It's just, it's mad. It's a different level of fitness and strength. And I'd like to give a shout out to Molly McCann. She, uh, you know, she had a hard time. She got submitted. People started talking about a ground game. She concentrated on it. She took a jiu-jitsu match, and she yeah. won by submission. And she's looking, yeah. really, you know, she's really upping her ground game. So she handled. Yeah, and the, and the girl she beats is no joke. The girl she beats changes her own lives. She's she's great, man. That's awesome, man. I, I like to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like to see somebody handle a loss like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly's unreal. Molly's the best person to be around. She's so, such good energy. I just found out we're having her on the show next week, next Wednesday. Oh, awesome. Something said that works out. I'll tell you you said hi. <laughs> and you, uh, you, how did you meet John Kavanaugh, or did you already know him? No, do you know what's really weird, like, turn of events, because I was looking for a gym, because I didn't want to miss train. I was on tour, and I was over, going over to Dublin, so I, I asked for some contacts, and I messaged one guy who, it turned out my opponent was over there at the same time training, so I couldn't go to him. And then weirdly, I noticed John Kavanaugh followed me on Instagram. So I thought, I'm just going to be cheeky. and just. So I messaged him saying, hi, coach. Thanks for the follow. And he said, oh, I love your stuff. If you're ever over in Dublin. I said, weirdly, I am this week. And he said, okay, come down. And it was just, it was, that is an amazing gym. 
let me do a two-hour session, and then then he dragged me around the dragged me around the map for about ten minutes. Just guillot- I think he guillotined me about seventeen times. <laughs> I like that Kavanaugh. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's, he's lovely. A, he's a great trainer, and he's he's a good leader. You know, I like him. And Paul, when yeah, before yeah. we uh, let me plug you properly before we because our show is ending. But I want to plug you, uh, your Pablo yeah. tour. I've seen some of your clips on Instagram, and you you do crowd work. You're very funny. Uh, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those things where it, when someone does it well, it's really fun to watch, um, and you're doing it in successfully in large rooms. Um, so you have a great way of letting everybody know what's going on. That's not easy to do. You're talking and you're explaining yeah. things where everybody in the room knows exactly who you're talking to and what you're dealing with. Um, when does your tour start, or did it start already? No, it starts in May. So my last tour is just ending, and then the next tour starts in May. Uh, and then it, it's going right through till mid 2025 now as it stands there's like 200 shows um but we're still adding some in i think we're going to try and add some us dates so hopefully we'll be over there uh, and some australian dates as well so yeah um yeah hopefully we'll get i'll get a chance to come over and see you jim yeah let me know if you're in new york it'd be it'd be nice to meet in person i'm uh, usually here and uh, what's the what's the website? The tour is called Pablo. I know you work out in this Liverpool comedy club. I don't remember the name of it, but they're all sold out. A lot of those. There might be one that still has available yeah. tickets. Yeah, all my tickets go through there. So I I always work with those guys. So it's hot hotwatercomedy.co.uk. Uh, all the tickets to my tour are available there. Uh, yeah, and it's the best comedy club in in the UK. So go down and watch. If you ever over at gym. Come down to our club. I think it's it's gonna be we're opening a new place soon, and it's gonna be the biggest in the world. I think uh, technically, so uh, yeah, come down. It's purpose built comedy theater. Come down, awesome. and check it out. You're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I will, man. Thank you. I want to get back over there. Um, and most of your shows are sold out. So anybody listening, there's a few with a couple tickets left. But I mean, they, they, they these things sell very very well. So congratulations, man. And uh, we'll so talk much. to you again. Look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. All right, Paul. Nice All right, Paul. Take you. care. And uh, Paul on Instagram. Paul is the Joker on Twitter and Instagram. X and Instagram. All right, Thank buddy. You. Good talking to you, sir. Take care, Paul. You know, another yes, blended show. I think so. I mean, the real heroes, sure, firemen do that. It's us. Yeah. What? Jimmy, when we, when we, I got a crap in that box and bring um, it to I'm still yet to. Are do you just it. walking around with it or did you mail it? Nah, I, I didn't do it yet. I didn't. I didn't actually poo in it. I have to. I don't. I just don't like little science projects with my ass. You know what I'm saying? I understand. Just go squat over the box. Make a duty. Okay. Now, um, last thing I want to say. Right. Uh, Stepe turned down fighting Aspinall because he only wants John Jones. I get that, but I mean the advantage to fighting what? Aspinall. What? Is, is if you beat him, you're the champ. Yeah, um, he's been the champ. I think he's going for greatness. That's why he, he is. Go. No, no, I know, but there's no. You never know what's going to happen in six months with Jones. He's coming back from a very serious injury, yeah. so it's a risk. But anyway, I love Stipe, so I, I hope that fight happens. Thank you to Paul Smith and uh, the great Neil Magny, and uh, we have Molly McCann next week. I'm looking forward to seeing you again, Matt. Yeah, man. I was going to say, how can you not like Neil Magny? Love him. Me too. All right, Jimmy. So much fun. Thanks, I almost pal. cannot wait till next week. Oh, I can. I'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Okay, goodbye.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 